We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TheraOne, Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. We're moving up here in the sponsor world. Uh, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers and join me tonight. He's back making his triumphant return after an incredibly long week off. Former NFL defensive back, Eric, 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 Eric. Crocker, 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 Crocker. <laughs> What's up, bro? What's up, man? Hey, you did an amazing job, you know, uh, hosting the pod without me. But it was it was really good. A lot of good stuff you touched on with George Kittle and other things about you know reporting and and your experiences with that. And I thought it was a really good pod. As I was listening to it, I was actually driving through Dallas, and I think I had just dro- drove by uh, the AT and T Stadium. That thing is huge, man. Oh, I don't doubt it, man. Like, if you think about like, I've I've never been there, but it, like, all I have to do is envision like, picture Levi's Stadium, and then like trying to put a, a like a, a lid over the top of Levi's Stadium. You know what I mean? Right. Not even a lid, something that covers the whole thing. So I imagine <laughs> that place is just massive. Yeah. It just looked like a giant spaceship in the middle of nowhere. When I what's crazy too nowhere, is like, it's like. In the grand scheme of like new stadiums, it's not even really all that new anymore. You know what I mean? It's been around for a while, a little bit, and it was still way more expensive than any of the other stadiums. You know what I mean? It was it was way more expensive than the 49ers stadium. It's I think it was more expensive than the Raiders stadium, even though that that thing looks really good. Yeah, um, the, the Raiders stadium definitely looks awesome. I, I remember like I mentioned on Twitter, I was like, dude, that's an all black stadium in the Las Vegas sun. Like that has got to be hot. And I wasn't even talking about the inside. Like I was just talking about the fact that like, if you watched up and walked up and touched the side of the building, it would probably <laughs> be so hot. And like so many Raiders fans were pissed. They're like, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't think they've thought of that and, and, and put some, put some, put some air conditioning in there and stuff. I'm like, yeah, bro. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about the inside where the people have to be. I'm just saying like, have you ever, I have a black truck and I'm in Fresno and it's in 111 degrees right now. 
if I walk up and put my hand on that thing, it will legitimately burn it. Yeah. So that's all I was taught. It was just funny how quickly they, they hopped in and, <laughs> and misinterpreted, or maybe I just did a poor job of wording it. So, but anyways, man, you, since you've last been on here, you made a trip back to California and then back to Arkansas again. So how'd that go? I don't ever want to have to do that drive again, even though I know I'm going to have to do it. How during- many times have you done that drive over the past, like six months, three months, too, too many times over the past three months, too many times. I'd say I went, I think the first time I did it was for homecoming. We we came to the homecoming game to kind of scope everything out where we possibly possibly would live. Um, talk to the finance, the academic advisors for myself and my wife. She had to talk to the uh, the nursing the the director of nursing program and everything, and um, just figure out what I need to do to you know get my bachelor's degree and everything, and her get into the RN program. But we just wanted like a nice little road trip away from the kids and everything. So we just drove. And after that, we were kind of like, oh, well, it's not that hard. Now, the next few times we had to drive because we just had to bring hell of shit. So right. we didn't even have like a choice. Like, I mean, we didn't really have a choice. It was like we we had to bring a bunch of stuff and we and we had some a bunch of stuff shipped over on this uh thing. We paid like $2,500 for it to get shipped on a... Uh, not you know like a like a big rig like you know it's, right, it's right, like right. that you take up enough space or whatever and so we got a bunch of stuff shipped that way but there was still stuff in California I mean we had to do a lot of driving man and I'm I'm pretty much over it but I'm pretty sure we'll probably drive again for Christmas time and because I mean for a family it's still cheaper to drive than it is to pay for flights for everybody and yeah we don't we don't mind it that much I mean you know to save us right. I think dollars or whatever would be to <laughs> fly. <laughs> so there was, there was only, and it still doesn't even really compare to your drive, but the only time I've ever made a drive like that was when I won. Um, when I first started active duty in the military, I had to drive to El Paso, Texas, um, which if that drive is incredibly boring. Um, yeah. It's incredible. We, we, we do the same drive, like to drive to El Paso. It's the same highway. I just go, keep going further yeah right 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 when i get off you keep going another eight nine ten hours i just you know but yeah i drive through el paso i think it's really cool man you can see mexico right off the freeway it looks it it looks like it's no joke like i remember the first time i saw mexico off to the side i was like whoa like you know like juarez has a really bad reputation for a good reason it's it's kind of like a little miniature war zone in there um a lot of, lot of cartel stuff. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, I can see that. Like When I think of Mexico and then I look over and I see it over there, that's that's really what I envision Mexico looking like. And right. And there's beautiful kind of parts of Mexico, you, but that part is is not beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. And it, it's kind of creepy because you know, like, you know, the cartel is right over that border. And I'm scared as hell as a cartel. And I've watched enough cartel shows, whether it's the, you know, one on Elk. Chapo or um, <laughs> King uh, Queen of the South and all these cartel things. And I was like, man. And then I've seen that. I remember when I was in high school and they were talking about like just a whole bunch of beheaded bodies, you know, that were like dumped off in El Paso. Um, and I'm like, man, the cartel, I think it's crazy, man. I, I, I'd be scared to like get off and get gas in El Paso. Shoot. It's really, I mean, well, I mean anybody that hasn't been there, it's, if you can just imagine driving on the freeway at, you know, in every, wherever your hometown is, and you're driving on the freeway, and you just look off of the freeway to the right. That's Mexico. Like when you're driving in El Paso, it's that close. And the only thing that separates uh, uh, Mexico from the United States is just like this little fence. Right. Yeah. And it's it's brutal. We weren't even allowed as service members. You know, we were in the military. We weren't even allowed to go to Mexico. There was a time, uh, or to Juarez. There was a time when. Uh, some of the older guys in the military would tell me like, Hey, we used to go to Mexico all the time and eat lunch and stuff, you know? And, and, and that is like, was like unheard of while we were there. You would just simply weren't allowed to go over there because you're just, you're too recognizable. You know, you, all the, you know, all the dudes in the military or ladies, they're all really, you know, upkept and they all have their hair in a certain way. All the dudes have the same haircut. Because it's, you know, that's just how the military is. You're all clean shaven. So they just say you're really recognizable and you would make kind of a sweet target if somebody wanted to try and play a ransom game. And 
you just can't go over there. But luckily, El Paso still it's 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 such a primarily Mexican town. The food was incredible. Like I love yeah. Mexican food and it was just some of the best Mexican food because it's authentic. Uh, I'll ever have, you know, th- there's plenty of places you go to in El Paso where they don't even speak English. Um, oh. you just got to try and try and order your best, what, what you want, you know, you just try and say it your best. So El Paso was crazy. It was, but what I was going to say when I started is the, the drive is incredibly boring, but the most enjoyment I got out of a drive that long was when I left the military. Um, I was just so stoked to be out of the military and going home. And I enjoyed my military career, my, you know, my time, but I was just so excited. I put on that final countdown song, the do, 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 I put that on. That was the first song I played. And my buddy, Bobby, um, a good friend of mine, best friend, he, uh, he flew to El Paso just to ride back with me and help me like pack up all my stuff. And we just mobbed out and, I have a, my Ford uh, F-150 has a 35 gallon tank. I left with a full tank. I filled up once and then I got home and then, and it was just, it was crazy. It was just such a, for how crappy that drive is, it went so fast. Cause I was just so jacked to be going home. But yeah. anyways, we, we got a, we got ladies waiting on us. So we, we both have to, to get, get to the 49ers talk, don't we? Let's do this. I guess the. The most obvious start to this is, unfortunately, bad news and the fact that um, by this time, everybody knows that uh, Jalen Hurd has torn his ACL. So after missing his rookie season due to a back injury and subsequent surgery, um, or you know what, I'm not sure if he had surgery. He It was broken, but I'm not sure if it required surgery. So I don't want to go too far. Um but he, he missed his rookie season with uh, a fractured back, and now he is missing his entire sophomore season with a torn ACL. So, I mean, it's just – it's brutal. Like, you can – from what I knew about his back injury, he really had to really work hard to get back to where he is or he where he was. And, and for that to happen, it's just such a bummer. I tweeted about it, and it was more of a general tweet. But, like, this time of year, especially the fact that the athletes didn't kind of, like, get to prepare their body for training camp as well as they would have. Like I hate this time of year where you hear about all these season ending injuries, you know, that happen in the middle of training camp. And these players don't even get to experience the season, whether they're a veteran like Gerald McCoy or, or not like these guys just, I, it always breaks my heart. For them did, you see how Gerald, how, did you see how McCoy got hurt? Yeah. In like a warm up with another defensive lineman, <laughs> that, like that was... the dude just pancaked him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I not mean, it was because laugh. he got hurt, but I know it's not supposed to be funny. But just watching it, it just looked like the <laughs> fakest, oddest thing ever. It, it I looked my like a WWE. Like, what like, the hell is this? Yeah. And it the, did you see how the coach the coach walks up and checks on the player, and he turns around and looks at the dude that did it. Like he just gives him this quick look. <laughs> like, what did you do? And, like, and the yeah. guy's standing there like, man, I didn't do anything. <laughs> he just, it was the weirdest thing ever, man. But I know we're talking about Hurd. And Hurd, I mean, he got hurt in an interesting way, too. You know, he's off to the non, side. Non-contact. They, they were trying to ease him in and, you know, and weren't, hey, let's not, you know, let's not put him in any harm's way. He's not doing any team drills or anything like that. Let's have him off to the side, you know, working and. Ease him back, get him, you know, prepared to 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 pra- to excuse me to practice, and then he just falls. And I, I guess at the time he was doing some type of agility drill or whatnot. But gosh, I mean, that's just I feel bad for him, like you said, man. I feel bad. But so, what do you think? Obviously, they 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 signed Jerron Brown, and I know we'll get into that. But there were a lot of fans, kind of really bummed. Be, because I think they had high expectations for her. I, I don't want to speak for you. I guess I'll kind of just talk about my thought process on, on it. I never really envisioned her as like the the key, a key factor. Like in my head, it was always like, it was always Debo Samuel is, is, is the first receiver. Ayuk's going to be the second whenever that happens. You have Kendrick Bourne and then you have Trent Taylor. That was just in my head. Like I like and heard in my head it was just gonna have to get in where he fits in. Now, if he ended up being something just more 
and they end up, you know, developing some type of bigger role for them, then then great. But just heading into the season, that was just my thought process. Debo, when he's healthy, um, Ayuk, you know, and and, and Kendrick Bourne, and, and then Trent Taylor. So when he went down, I, I didn't panic or I didn't anything. It was just like, dang, you know, that, that sucks because I was really looking forward to watching him. But there's a guy named Juwan Jennings that they drafted late, and I think that they're – their skill set is very similar. I, I do think that Hurd was a better prospect because I think he just played a little bit faster. But I thought that they were very similar in how they played. And I think Joan Jennings even had a little bit more aggressive at the catch point uh, style. But I, I didn't think it was that drastic of a difference to where, like, or I didn't think that Hurd was as important to the team to where people are like, oh, man, just go sign Antonio Brown. Like, why would you go sign Antonio Brown? I, I think... <laughs> It. And Antonio Brown, he's gonna want the ball, and he is a guy that deserves the ball. If you if you get Antonio Brown, you build your offense around him, point blank. Even at this point, a year off, everything he still walks into the 49ers uh 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 roster he on practice field, and he's the best player on the field, or at least skill position player. And you end up kind of forming you or shaping your offense around that guy. Now, if you want Debo Samuel and Ayuk, these guys that you're, you know, investing high draft picks in, and even a guy, George Kittle, who you just paid a ton of money, if you kind of want them to take a backseat to a guy like uh, Antonio Brown, then sure, sign him. But if you want to make sure that these guys are progressing how you want them to progress and they continue to get better, then you... You don't sign Antonio Brown. You only sign him if one of your key, key, key guys is going to be out long-term. Like, if you were to tell me right now Debo Samuel is not coming back this year, then I'd say, all right, I could see a scenario where Antonio Brown uh, gets signed. But it doesn't look like that's the case. Look like – I mean, I just saw him running sprints. Did you see that video? Antonio Brown? No, no, Debo Samuel. Uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen a few big, uh, workout videos. I haven't seen one, a recent one of him running sprints. No, I, I oh, yeah, no, I just, out. yeah, I just peeped one. I just, I, I'll show you it, but Did you um, put it I on your saw, Twitter or something? I saw it on like Instagram, I think. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just saw a freaking video of him like running sprints. So it looks like obviously, you know, he's doing everything that he can to come back. That's your, that's your guy. And then you have Ayuku. Might even have a higher ceiling as far as like you know from a pure receiver perspective, as uh, than than uh, a higher a higher ceiling than Debo. So why would you bring in a guy that's going to kind of take away from the development of these guys in the sense of like you know getting them involved and doing some things around them to make sure that they get the ball and stuff. And you get AB, he's a target hawk as he should be. Again, he would walk on and be the best player on the field, but I don't think you bring him in to this situation because the last thing you want is for you to be like, you know what? We do have our young guys and we do want to keep getting them involved and we're not going to, you know, create a game plan around you, Antonio Brown. And then he's not getting the 10 to 15 <laughs> targets a game that he's used to getting when he's with Pittsburgh. And all of a sudden he's upset and we've seen what can happen to him, uh, you know, with a team when he's, you know, not getting what he wants. And I don't think you want that. If you don't have these young guys, I think, yeah, you can make Antonio Brown as happy as he wants to be. I think where the 49ers are right now, I just wouldn't do that. That's not a move I would make. To me, it's just, it's it's too, it's too risky. Like, I mean, it's not like it could really blow up that big. Like, it's really some signing like Antonio Brown, if he starts any sort of shenanigans, uh, the 49ers would be like, all right, you're gone. And the contract he would sign would reflect that. It would be a non-guaranteed thing and, you know, with a lot of incentives. And if if there was a problem, they would just say, okay, you're gone. But I don't even think they want to induce, it, in, in, induce introduce that into their locker room that they have a lot of care for. You know, they've, they've very, very carefully built this locker room and the personalities that they introduced into it. And I just, I'm not sure... I just don't think somebody like John Lynch and maybe even Kyle. I mean, I know Kyle Shanahan will respect the skill set because Antonio Brown seems like the type of receiver that would be like tailor made for Kyle Shanahan. And just, I mean, he's tailor made for anybody, but 
it just I think Kyle Shanahan would appreciate the skill set, but I don't think John Lynch would have any interest whatsoever. After, you know, kind of an old school guy that's watched kind of how he's conducted himself on these these different teams, and I just don't think he'd be interested. But I do think you know they they could consider it if if like you said, uh, uh, you know, another injury crept up on him. But as far as like Jalen Hurd goes, I'm kind of right there with you as far as what I expected from him. I did feel like he was kind of like an X factor, like somebody that could end up playing like a huge role if everything kind of went his way. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But I, I never felt like the offense's success or, you know, his role was going to be a key part of, of what they do this season. I mean, Trent Taylor, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like he's humming along. Um, he's the one that, that before he got hurt, he had a good rapport with Garoppolo. Kendrick Bourne is, you know, keeps just taking strides and he's earning a lot of play, praise from Shanahan. And then you have Brandon Ayuk, who was, you, you know, who people seem to be impressed with and Debo Samuels. I just, it, it would take a lot of, it would take a lot of other people kind of underperforming for Jalen Hurd to kind of really come on to the season and be like, you know. You and know, I don't want to make it seem like he couldn't be good. I, I liked him. And I was really right, intrigued. Right. I just didn't have high expectations and didn't really see exactly where he would fit in when you have these other guys who I felt were just higher on the totem pole and look to be doing good right now. You know, I, I just – Again, I, I I like the thought of him, and I think if maybe we would have saw him last year, um, like play the entire year, and we would have seen like, hey, okay, I can see where this is going. Maybe I would feel a little different way, but you know, I I like I like the idea of him, but I just didn't see him as somebody where if he goes down, I have to react with this drastic uh, move. I think they did the right thing by um, signing a John Brown, who's Hey, let's see, you know, John Brown, Tavon Austin, uh, JJ Nelson, you know, some guys were, okay, we'll see, you know, if one of these guys can be the sixth or seventh receiver. John Brown's interesting. He's got a decent amount of experience, you know, and the fact that he could come in and compete, I, I don't necessarily think he would be like pushing for a starting role, but he's at least, he's at least somebody that can give somebody a run for their money. The most intriguing name out of that list is, I mean, Tavon Austin, I mean, at one point he was he was seen as the cream of the crop, at, at, you know, when it was in the draft and stuff. So, I mean, that guy can make waves. But, man, like, J.J. Nelson is really fast, like real, real fast. I, I'm looking forward to seeing if – if and, and so is Tavon Austin. We're talking about, like, <laughs> not a lot of difference here. But, like, either one of those guys, I wonder if if Shanahan can really try and work in a real role for them. If And they're in a, they're in a fight to make the roster, period. They're by no means – uh, you know, even have a good chance, but they're both so fast. It would be cool to see if if Shanahan could work them work them into the offense. And you, you know what, though, I've kind of changed my tune on that. I, I was looking at it, you know, with the whole Benjamin thing, and it was like, well, you know, he was a borderline guy, anyways. But I feel like with him opting out and them immediately going out and getting other guys that have a similar skill set as him, I. I, and and then when you think back to what he's had in the past with Marquise Goodwin and holding on to him, I think he is like he does want that specific guy. So I I think Benjamin had a much higher chance of making the roster than I I think a lot of us believe, uh, and, and I think like a more like an eighty percent chance to make it, uh, you know, compared to like uh, you know a thirty percent chance where I think most people were thinking why would he. You know, it, like it at first it seemed kind of random, and you you know yeah okay his speed and whatnot, but then for him to go out there and Shanahan to go out there and sign two guys that have a very similar skill set, like I, I just think that there is a very specific role that he wants for these these guys, and I think that I'm almost at the point where I feel like one of these guys will make it. I don't know which one. I don't know if it's going to be Austin or Nelson, but I, I'm more willing to bet one of these guys do make it, which you would think. I mean, it's not like they've been the most productive guys, but it does seem like maybe Kyle Shanahan is looking for that very specific skill set. So, I mean, obviously, I don't know. That's just kind of – I was listening to my guys from Nothing But Niners, and they kind of touched on just like, you know, the type of receivers he was going after. And I was like, man, maybe this guy is – maybe these guys are more important – to what Kyle Shanahan kind of has planned and what I think any of us thought. 
I think we just kind of looked at them as kind of camp bodies. And I, I don't know. I think he's looking for a specific guy that maybe can just stretch the field at any point. Yeah, then I, I think that's the way you sum it up right there is a good way to say it. Like there might be receivers that don't make this team that maybe are a bit better overall. Like let's say like a J.J. Nelson versus a Jerron Brown. Maybe in somebody's metric, Jerron Brown is a better overall receiver or whatever you could say about him. But he doesn't offer that very, very specific skill set of just ridiculous speed. So that could be a reason why somebody like that ends up making the roster. Like you're saying, they, they just, they want to be able to implement the threat of that speed at any point. And if they don't have a guy to do that, there's, there's just no option. You at least want to have the option to, to implement plays where a guy with ridiculous speed can threaten defensive deep, whether you're targeting him or not, it's still an essential element of a play. They have to, they have to take it seriously. And whether it was a Tavon Austin or a JJ Nelson, they, things may have not worked out for them in the way that a lot of people thought at one point, but they're still respectable receivers with insane speed that as a defense you have to account for. And, you know, maybe some bolder defensive coordinators say, you know, let Jimmy throw to him. We'll see if he hits him type of deal. And, and that could very well happen, but you, you got to at least have the presence. You got to at least have the element there. And, and, you know, even if it's on like sweeps and stuff, like, you know, you're, you're really putting stress on the outer boundaries of a defense. If you have like a four, two, four, three guy, that's even motioning a sweep or actually getting the ball, you know? So there's a lot of ways uh, that Shanahan is going to be able to threaten defenses with a speed guy. And it's a, it's a pretty huge difference than, you know, what you can do and can't do when you, when you have that versus when you don't. So. You know, I think I think that's a good good way to say it is, you know, when Travis Benjamin opted out, like you said, they just immediately sought out more speed guys. So there's a good chance that they want one of those guys in this offense. I'm not going to say they don't have to earn, you know, obviously they have to earn a spot. It might be Tavon Austin versus J.J. Nelson for the sixth or seventh spot. But um, both of them offer something that the, the offense needs and that essentially the offense has always had since Shanahan showed up. Because for the most part, Goodwin's always been in the mix. So, right. but before we uh, before we keep rolling, we need to get a quick word in from our striking gold sponsors. The first one is called TheraOne. The, you got you know, for those of you guys that are out there working out, grinding, uh, whether you're training or just keeping yourself in shape, doing crockers, a hundred push-ups uh, every morning. You've got tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, or simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. It was started by Dr. Jason Wurzland. TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun, percussive therapy device when dr jason saw the benefits of using cbd in his treatments he created theraone to bring you cbd products done right a lot of cbd products claim organic but still can contain up to 30 percent filler and these fillers are potentially toxic theraone tests the products four times before they get to you every product is usda certified organic grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and slink tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners Striking Gold on the Blue Wire Network, a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash blue wire. And that is T H E R A G U N. 
In addition to Theragun, we've got Sunday Ticket. We got Sundays, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. And with the NFL Sunday Ticket.tv, you can stream every live, out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday Ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. NFL Sunday Ticket.tv promo code BLUEWIRE. 15%. Do it. Do it. So anyways, 49ers things. So Jalen Hurd, not, you know, unfortunately, not going to get to see him again for another season. You know, it's it sucks. And another injury, K1 Williams, nickel corner, uh, starting nickel, one of the best nickel uh, slot defenders in the NFL. Has a little bit of a calf strain, but that doesn't seem all that serious. I mean, it, it says like one to two weeks, which, you know, that's like a cons- or probably a more conservative estimate. He's just, they're just going to make sure that, that they don't have a problem with him and injury because he's a very, very, very important aspect of this defense. Very underrated, in my opinion. Um, whether that's in his importance to the 49ers and his kind of like status in the league. Like he's just, he's one of the better slot corners in the NFL. So that's a little bit of a deal. Obviously, we've already mentioned it. The, the 49ers have signed a lot of players. Not all of them are worth kind of having like a discussion about, but. Just today, they got announced that they signed Jonathan Cyprian. I think he's been on the Eagles and the Titans. I, he's kind of been on a few teams. I should probably look that up. But right now, that's just kind of a depth thing. You know, somebody that he'll probably be – I mean, I'm assuming he'd probably be competing with uh, with Harris for a roster spot, you'd think, right, Krug? Uh, you know, he, I'm I mean, really he's high on a Harris. strong guy, right? I'm really high on Harris. But I will say, Jonathan Cyprian – I don't know what he's been the last few years, but I know there was a point, I want to say like maybe like Jalen Ramsey's like rookie year. It was it was Cyprian and uh with Gibson. They had two safeties and Cyprian was really good at that time. He was really good. Now obviously I I, I couldn't tell you what he is now, but I know <laughs> some years ago, about four or five years ago. He 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 was a guy, and then the guy just fell off. And and I know he's been on several teams since then. And safeties, the tough thing about safeties is kind of a position like running back, where you know if you have a good one, you just hold on to it. But if you don't, a lot of times you'll see teams just rotate. You know, safeties. You know, okay, contracts up, and they'll just find a new safety. A lot of times, unless they're just really good, I think the Forty Nine ers situation is kind of rare. Um, continuing to resign. Ward and Tart, two guys who I think play very well, but you know I've been, I've definitely voiced my opinion about how I feel like they don't make enough plays, like uh, force enough, you know, uh, takeaways or turnovers. But yeah, man, um, it's a position, the safety position. You can just find yourself not on the team, and I mean we've seen the market, right? Even with guys like Eric Reed and Kenny Vaccaro, who continue to play well on other teams, but remember how hard it was for them to just find teams. On the free agent market, shoot, it was the same thing with Honey Badger. When Honey Honey Badger left uh, the Cardinals, he signed a one year, seven million dollar deal with with Houston, and then he played extremely well. Then he was kind of highly sought after after that. But um, you know, it I don't know. Safety position is really weird. Cyprian, he might actually still be really good. I I just don't know. I, I literally don't know. Right. Yeah. In addition to him, they added, like we said, Jerron Brown. This is all in like the past week. So like in the past seven days, they've added Jonathan Cyprian, Jerron Brown, D, uh, Evan Foster, a DB, Tavon Austin, J.J. Nelson, Spencer Long, who upped and retired just a few days later, and then William Sweet. And all these guys are kind of like, pretty much all of these guys are kind of like depth pieces. Maybe Jonathan Cyprian. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to compete for a starting spot, but I mean, he probably out of all these guys has the most like stock within his position. But like we just got done talking about, maybe even Tavon Austin or JJ Nelson or, you know, Jerron Brown make a run for a spot in there. But 
it's mostly just depth pieces and it's nothing, it's not a splash. It's nothing anybody's going to talk about, but they're just kind of rounding out their roster and, and, and making sure that they've got enough bodies to compete through training right. camp. Because even with this, they don't have a lot of safeties, right? They don't. And, 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 you know, one thing that's, it's not really a huge factor, but like this heat wave has been crazy. You know, they have to make sure they have bodies at every position so that they aren't trotting guys out there for more reps than they need to be out there and, you know, forcing guys into spots where they, they might be hurting a little bit. You know, they have to make sure that everybody's able to get rotated out. And especially when it, the heat starts to pick up, uh, because once you get used to that kind of Bay Area weather, when these heat waves roll in, they can be really, really damaging. It was 111 degrees here in Fresno. I, I mean, and Fresno gets crazy. The Central Valley gets hot, but I've never felt it like that. Yeah. You know, I in think the South me- Bay, where San Jose is, um, it kind of gets San Jose, Santa Clara. It gets pretty hot there too. Right. Um, yeah. Not, no, not, not not one not 111, <laughs> but like <laughs> you know, it, it'd be you know upper 90s in, in San Jose for sure. Right. So I mean, they have to make sure that they constantly have bodies, and that includes guys at positions, somebody like, you know, a Trent Williams, a veteran that's going to get days of rest. They have to have guys that are going to be able to step in there. So, you know, you have to have constantly a, a constant rotating field of, of bodies at every position. So yeah, they, they were really shorthanded at safety. I mean, I think they only had before assigning Cyprian five because you have, uh, you know, Ward, Tart, Harris, Moore and Maiden. The, the undrafted rookie. And, right. and that's it. And then now you have, with Kawan Williams out, you have Ward filling in at the slot spot. And I think you have Harris and Tart kind of running with the ones. Um, so, you know, who who's the backups after that? You know, that, that that's, you know, that's been, yeah, kind of tight right right now. So I think they definitely had to bring a guy in. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with that. Well, and you're also talking about two guys in Ward and Tart that have both kind of struggled with injuries, and and they probably want to, as far as reps in training camp, both those guys are probably on, like, minimum snap counts. Like, obviously, they want them in there for the starting reps, but whatever reps they don't have to take, they are not going to take. So, like, they they just need guys in there behind them to be able to play, fill it out. And, and if you've you know, de- depending on how they set up practice, you know, th- sometimes the the ones are doing something and the twos are doing something at the same time. And you just, you just have to be able to fill it out. So it's, you know, it's just a constantly rotating thing. Not every signing is meant to be, an, a, you know, a starting, a roster spot, impact player. You know, it's just the, you have to manage the roster. Now, I took some notes on some of the, like the training camp standouts, you know, people that have been kind of, you know, drawing headlines. And I think a lot of these are pretty interesting as far as what Crocker and I have talked about. The first one I wrote down was, uh, and this is something that I thought was a very underrated compliment from Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause he said that Brandon Ayuk sees the field like a quarterback mm. and, and, and that could be just, you know, Garoppolo's, you know, he, he just gassing him up, but to me, I I don't think a lot of people realize how big of a compliment that is, because the most dangerous receivers in the NFL understand coverages, and sure they could win their one on ones, but when you start to know if you can step up to that line and look at the corner, look at the linebacker, look at the safety, and start to discern what the defense is doing, then the sky is the limit because now you know how to manipulate the guy in front of you. You know how much time you have and space you have before somebody else might become involved. Like there's, there's all kinds of, of potential for if, if, if Garoppolo's comments is, is to be taken seriously, that is a huge compliment. It's because you're talking about a receiver who already has all these the pretty impressive physical traits, but that's when you're getting into the, the upper tier mental ability to to break down coverages as a receiver to know because you know all the, all these footballs are thrown to a spot you know that's that's where you get in the NFL it's all based on timing and they know where they should be throwing the football in that moment but what you do to get to that spot can vary from time to time depending on the coverage you're facing and what the defense is doing so like if Ayuk understands that, that's a, a really big compliment. And one of the interesting stories that attaches to that 
is I think it was my second training camp at Santa Clara. And I'm standing there and I realize I kind of look over and I realize I'm standing right next to Steve Smith. One of, cause he was there with the NFL network and one of the greatest receivers to ever do it. Just, you know, and, and I, and I kind of take a couple steps to my left because I've always been a huge receivers guy. And if I have a chance to talk to Steve, Steve Smith, I'm going to talk to Steve Smith and I don't care what his personality is like or seems like I'm like, I'm going to talk to Steve Smith. So I go over there and I kind of like lean over to him and I look at him like out of the corner of my eye. I was like, Steve. And he's like, what's up? I'm like, my name's Rob. He's like, what's up, Rob? I was like, if you had to pick the most important element for a wide receiver, what would it be? And he said, he kind of looked and he's like, well, obviously they got to catch the ball. And we laughed, and, you know, but then he, he kind of stopped and he said, reading coverages. Mm. He's like, if a receiver can step up to that line and he can read a coverage like a quarterback, you aren't going to, you're going to have problems. And, and when Jimmy Garoppolo said, Brandon, Ayuk sees the field like a quarterback. I was like, damn, like, this is <laughs> what Steve Smith said. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're just talking about Garoppolo's compliments, but, but to me, like that's crazy too, right? Because not, not to cut you off, but that's crazy because no, you're good. He's a guy who played, you know, multiple positions in junior college, was recruited to play cornerback at Alabama, had you know played in at Arizona State where they kind of had to dumb down the offense because they had a true freshman quarterback. And even then he still somehow sees the field like a quarterback. That's that's really that's that's really impressive. Now, the one thing I will say is Arizona State, they've been pushing this thing called the pro model. So maybe they've been teaching these guys how to prepare like pros, you know, regardless of their current circumstances at ASU. But um, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo said that, I, I think that's really that's that's high that's high praise because that's the biggest issue most guys have, and you know that's why guys bust. It's not about the talent. Like the, all these guys have talent, and they have their different ways that they win. They get messed up in the head. So if you can't go out there and play full speed and, and, and you're thinking while you're running around, you're not going to be you. And that's going to lead to drops. That's going to lead to you not playing as fast, not being able to beat press. Um, I mean, you're, you're going to run into all kinds of issues. And then that's when they're like, oh, this guy can't even play. But really, he just can't. This is in his head. <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest issue. So the fact that they, they gave him that kind of compliment, and even I heard Kyle Shanahan talking about how he prepares and how he's further along than most rookies. I'm like, man, I think this guy might start day one. And I, I didn't think that. Right. And, and yeah, that's the thing to me is like for of all the traits that you could compliment a receiver on for the first one, it's, it's not a slight towards what he can do on the field, but for your first compliment to be about his mental ability. And that, and like you said, coming from both Garoppolo and Shanahan, like that's, that's a really, really good sign because you know, the, the greatest of greats, they obviously have immense talent. But when you add the layer of, of upper tier thinking and breaking down in the game in a way your peers are not, that's how you become more. And, you know, and you, most people that are that are that good don't get there without that ability. So it's it's pretty it's just it was just a, to me it was maybe I'm overblowing it, but I, I just thought it was a really interesting compliment to offer him of all the things he could say uh you know about his speed about his routes about how he looks his attitude he just talks about his the fact that he's already just mentally on it you know which is i just i just thought that was impressive the other another one i got down here is you know and i know i'll let you talk about this a little bit cocker because i know you got a little side bet with a friend going on or maybe it's your brother i can't remember um but shanahan i mean Bourne seems like he is kendrick Bourne seems like he is doing exactly what you'd hoped he would do with the circumstances he's been given as far as like seizing the opportunity and, and taking advantage of the fact that there's not a Debo Samuel to throw to or an Emmanuel Sanders to throw to right now. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on him and, and kind of what you've been hearing about him? Yeah, now um, I got Mike Finn. His his uh, Twitter name is Ice Cream Judas. So we have a bet. We, <laughs> we bet – I mean, early, I, I want to say maybe right after IU was drafted. And we basically put an over-under on Kendrick Bourne of catches. And we bet $100 that he would get, I bet that he would catch 45 passes or more. 
he said he wouldn't hit 45 because of all the other guys that, you know, need the ball and whatnot. My reasons for that were I just felt like things click for guys at different times, whether it's a maturity thing or just from the game and whatnot. And I, I felt like with what Kendrick Bourne, I get it. He posted every single workout, but you can't fake that. You know, like in, in a sense, like you, you can fake like posting a, you know, a video once a week and making it look like you're grinding or whatnot. And maybe guys are, I don't know, but I know you can't fake it when you post every single day <laughs> that you're working. So it's like, this guy is really getting after it. Something clicked. And Obviously, he took on like a mentoring role with um, Brandon Ayuk, and maybe that's helped Ayuk, right, see the game better and be further ahead. Maybe it's Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why, because that's who he was working out with and staying with, and hey, you know, run your route like this, and Kyle likes it like this and that. He understands exactly what Kyle wants, and I will say this. Kendrick did very well with his opportunities that he was given last year. When you go back to training camp, Kendrick Bourne was doing the same things that he was doing in the games. Anytime that Kendrick got an opportunity in training camp to get the ball, he was catching it and getting yards up to catch. Now, he just didn't have a lot of options, I mean, uh, opportunities. Uh, They weren't throwing to him a ton. They were really force-feeding Pettis, and he was doing the opposite with his opportunities. But I thought Kendrick Bourne, I always felt like the more opportunities they give him, I feel like the better he's going to get. And and the more, you know, the better his numbers would be. I feel like if Kendrick, and I don't want to say he's like, you know, capable of being uh, Mike Thomas or anything like that, right? And I'm not saying he's going to be a 140 catch guy, but I feel like if he was in the Saints' offense, even if he's their third option, I think he'd be he'd be a 70 reception guy in the in the Saints' option uh, uh, offense. Now, obviously, the 49ers' offense isn't built like that. It's not a high volume passing uh, offense, so you know his numbers. 49ers, you know, a good year for him might be 50 catches. And I think you know, with the opportunities that present itself right now with him being uh, the kind of the veteran in the room, as Kyle was saying, right? Like, man, he, like who would have thought the guy that he kept having to call into his office and tell him, you need to mature, you need to be able to do this or that, or I'm going to cut you. I think he got threatened several times, um, you know, a few years ago. But now you look at him and he's the, he's the guy, he's the veteran. And, you know, you see some of the younger guys looking up to him and he brings the energy. And it's not fake energy. Like, he's that's him. He's like that on the field, off of the field. And he's doing his job. We saw him stretch the field, catch the ball one hand, a beautiful uh, ball thrown by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, Kendrick Bourne. Again, I know Ayuk is coming. You know, obviously Debo's going to come back. But I just think that right now with the opportunity that's been given, he's taking advantage of it. And I think that they're definitely going to carve out a nice little role and make sure that he's a guy that, you know, continues to stay on the field. Right. I mean, that's a good, that was, that was all well said. And it's just a dude that I've always liked him from day one. Like there's just traits a receiver has when they step into the building. Obviously his attitude is, is, is on point. Like he works really, really hard and he has fun doing it. You can't fault him for that. Obviously there's a time and a place for everything, but he works hard. He has fun, but I've always just loved, I, I, you know, he runs good routes for a guy that doesn't have speed. He's like a four, six, four, seven guy, you know, somewhere in there. But and if you're going to be you can be that and have success. But if you're going to be that, you have to run great routes and you have to have great hands. And Kendrick Bourne runs great routes and has great hands. And I knew that the first time I saw him, like you can always tell by the way a receiver catches a ball, just how comfortable they are with with their job. You know, and there's there's plenty of receivers that even good ones that you can just tell sometimes just aren't that comfortable catching the football. And Kendrick Bourne like all the time was catching the ball as far away from his body as he could, you know? And that's like when a receiver does that, it's the ultimate show of confidence in their hands. And sure the Kendrick Bourne drop a ball that got intercepted against the Seahawks. And that's what everybody chooses to remember. Sure. But the guy just doesn't drop the ball that often. That just was a costly one, but don't that, that let that cloud your, your mind about how, you know, well he's played. And not only that, he is good in the, most important area of football. And that's in the fricking paint. Like that guy scores just as many touchdowns as George Kittle, you know, and, 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 and he could probably score more if he wanted to, like I said, we're talking about a guy with limited opportunities. That's just trying to see his every moment he's got. And, you know, somebody who's worked like he is, you know, he's earned his salt with his team and 
it sounds like he's on Shanahan's very, very good side. And, and to, to use that as a segue, somebody who over the past couple of years hasn't been on, you know, or past year or year and a half hasn't been on Shanahan's good side. And that's Dante Pettis. But in the same breath, like sounds like he's kind of making a run. And, and to me, like, I'm not going to like try and gas you guys up at all about Pettis. I mean, you guys saw the talent he had in the back half of his rookie season and what he could be, but obviously things went wrong. And whether it was a confidence issue or a work ethic issue, uh, it's hard to say, but Eric Crocker and I both saw the same off season where that guy was struggling and he just looked like it was a combination of not wanting to be out there and having no confidence in himself. And now it sounds like he might actually be another guy that's trying to seize opportunity. And it's just a couple of good practices that, that the, uh, the beat writers on hand have highlighted. But, you know, if, if Pettis, for some reason that we may never know, turns it around and decides to be the guy this year, like, that completely flips everything on its head. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about a guy who's competing for a roster spot, no question. Doesn't matter that he was a second-round pick two years ago. He's competing for a roster spot. And if he just decided, that, like, dude, I got to get out of whatever slump I'm in, and he turns it up, that mm-hmm. that changes everything. He's the most complete receiver I think the 49ers have. Like, I mean, outside of the, <laughs> the one thing that I think is holding him back, right, maybe the the, the physicality part. And the dog. You know, the, the dog, you know, and uh, he has when when people I saw somebody were like, oh, they were kind of knocking Kyle Shanahan for his evaluation of receivers. And I'm like, not nah, his his evaluation of receivers is actually pretty good. Dante Pettis is from a from a skill set standpoint is exactly what they thought they were getting. For the most part, right? Like when they were talking about from an, I mean, from an ability standpoint, right? Somebody like a huge separator, uh, somebody that can stretch the field, somebody that can threaten corners vertically and sit down his routes. Um, he's his initial uh, quickness off the line of scrimmage is very good. Like I feel like he's one of the top in the league. Like he does a lot of things that where it's like, yeah, they, they were right, and then he flashed it right. We saw it at the tail end of his uh, his rookie year. Right, the, the the last like five games or whatnot, where he was kind of exploding, and we're like, wow, like they they got something here. And then last year happened, and I don't know what happened, but I, I don't I put that more on Dante Pettis than I do Kyle Shanahan and anybody that evaluated him. Now, like you said, um, you know, it sounds like camp has been going well. Uh, obviously, last practice, um, you know, we saw a bunch of notes and people kind of raving about his last practice where, you know, he caught a bunch of balls and he, he looked really good. He, he is good once he gets out of his own head. And, you know, I, I said, I don't talk a whole lot about, you know, kind of what we saw in the locker room and stuff like that. But I remember being in the locker room after the game, after one of the games, and I just kind of looked at Dante Pettis, not in a weird way or like that, <laughs> but I'm watching him and I'm just like, you know, he's getting dressed and I'm just like, I wanted to go over to him and just tell him like, Dude, you gotta you gotta fix your posture or something like you just ooze as somebody that lacks confidence. And I know a lot of people are saying that, and I don't wanna like I, I don't like to like just like say what a guy is or isn't or anything like that. But I was just looking at him and they're just like, you know, you could just tell when somebody has confidence and just everything about his his the way he was looking and kind of just standing there. And I was just like, there's no confidence with this guy. If he can get his confidence, if he can get that back. To where he kind of just feels like, yeah, like, okay, I was second round draft pick for a reason and I'm going to play at this high of a level. Then people are, are in trouble because if that's the 49ers slot receiver or, you know, third receiver and you have Ayuk and all these and Debo and, and Bourne and all these other guys, then now it's it's a good receiving court. There's just, there are a lot of ifs though, right? You got the injury and then you have a rookie and you have Bourne who's probably your most consistent. And then it's like, well, what is Pettis going to be? And then, you know, Trent Taylor come back. Like, there's just a lot of ifs, but if it comes together, which, I feel like I said that last year, like, well, if it, and it's like everything did, all the ifs came together and then they were the Super Bowl team. If this receiver group, like, becomes what they, what they, what they have shown they can be, it, it can be a really special group. I agree. And And it's, what's interesting is it's a group of a lot of guys 
who, if if things work out, a lot of guys that have a a great chance to contribute, and obviously they can't all contribute at the same time. You can only have so many out there. The 49ers love to run two wide receiver sets. You know, three wide receivers is a, is a little bit more rare because you know Kittle's always got to be out there, and and depending on how Jordan Reed develops, you're going to want him out there. So it's not like the wide receiver group is a featured group, and they're just constantly going four wide receiver sets and and stuff like that. But you know, you have a lot of guys that if things work out for them, and this is not always the case with a roster, you have guys usually that are very clearly just depth guys, and you're just kind of hoping that it doesn't get that far. Whereas the 49ers have a lot of guys that could contribute if if they were called upon and if everything goes right. I mean, you've got Debo Samuel. He'll be back relatively soon. Um, Brandon Ayuk, you know, who is a rookie. You can never know what to expect, but we'll see. Um, Trent Taylor, if he's healthy, he's already proven that he can, he can have a big time impact. You know, Dante Pettis, if he flips himself upside down and goes back to that rookie, that what we saw his rookie year, he can contribute. And, you know, it, it just, it just keeps going. And Kendrick Bourne's already proven that he will contribute. So you, when you have like five guys that, you know, depending on the scenario can have already shown that they can get out there and do something like it's, it just makes for an interesting storyline. And there's a lot of possibilities. Could it all go wrong? And they all, you know, and, and it doesn't end up working out. Sure. But it's, you know, you just, there's no point in kind of focusing on that all the time. So it's, there's a lot of interesting wideout. Wideout is easily the, to me, the, the most interesting position group on the deep or excuse me on the offense, but on defense, uh, Robert Sala said either today or yesterday, I can't remember. Um, that it was a it was an open competition opposite Richard Sherman, and you know this is him saying that coming off where Emmanuel Mosley started in the Super Bowl, you know he was the, he was the guy, so and he started to kind of close he closed out the season at that spot. So what's your I mean it's it's essentially Emmanuel Mosley and Akella Witherspoon. Uh, what's what's your take on that competition there, Croc? You know I. You know, I don't know. It's really hard to judge. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I like both guys in the sense of I think that they, you know, are very talented. Uh, they were two guys that I kind of called out the talent before I think anybody even saw them, right? With Witherspoon, I was like, hey, 49ers should draft this guy Witherspoon third round. I don't know why nobody's talking about him, but he's a 6'3", 200-pound corner who runs a four four five, and I, I like this tape. Very athletic, fits the scheme. I think he can be there in the third round. If so, 49ers need to take him. Then boom, they took him. Um, uh, when it comes to Mosley, I, I didn't watch a ton of Mosley before, but after I watched him, after they signed him, I said, hey, this Mosley guy, you know, he, he's better than the Tarverius McFadden guy that everybody was hyping. They were like, oh, he's going to make it. And then last year I was like, you know, I think Mosley is going to be my dark horse. You know, I really like what I saw last preseason what I saw last training camp, and I was like, that's the guy I'm really impressed with. I think there's an opportunity for him to not only, make, you know, make this team, but, you know, he he should be a 53-man roster active guy. And obviously he got his opportunity and he made the best of it. And he looked like a, you know, a starting cornerback. Uh, I don't know what to make of this, like, this battle. It looks like they've all gotten kind of their crack at the first unit. Uh Excuse me, even Verrett, which was very right. interesting. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, they're they're looking they're looking for somebody to just take control over it, and I don't know what it's going to take. I've seen bits and pieces of what guys are doing. We've seen uh, Verrett get bombed on <laughs> by IU. <laughs> uh, I saw uh, Witherspoon break up a like a dig route over the middle, which was really impressive. And, you know, I've seen Mosley out there, you know, and I'm just kind of going off of clips that, that I can see because, you know, this stuff, you know, I don't I don't have access to it this year. I'm out of state. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see who ultimately ends up getting the start and whoever it is, you kind of just have to stick with that guy. But I, I think I'm 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 comfortable with either Mosley or Witherspoon if they outright win and that's who the coaches decide needs to be the starter. I'm. I feel like I'm good with that. I don't think that that's something where it's like, oh no, we got to worry about these guys. You know, I, I'm. I'm comfortable with it for the most part. 
Yeah, same here. I mean, Witherspoon's obviously had his struggles, but he's also shown that he can be the man if if if, if everything kind of. I'm not going to say if everything goes right for him because that's the case with anybody. But it's like, you know, the talent is there. You've seen it. It's kind of like the same thing as Pettis, and and I'm not sure if it's as much of a confidence issue with him as it is Pettis. It seems to be, but. Like, we've seen Witherspoon make these plays. I mean, I always think back to when the 49ers started the year off against the the Bucks, and Witherspoon was just balling out against Mike Evans, one of the best receivers in the league. So you know it's there. It's just a matter of, you know, everybody's struggles and, and how you respond to that. And obviously Mosley has proven that he can he can step in and compete in the NFL, like, you know, at, at a high level. Like, it's, it's, he's an undrafted guy. It's just, you know, I, the 49ers' ability to find these guys has been pretty impressive. Like. It's a, it's a dude who went undrafted, who started in the Super Bowl and, like, didn't get exposed. You know, obviously you have that one play where everybody kind of freaked out, but, that you know, we talked about that. It was just such a well-crafted play with all these perfect circumstances, and, and I didn't really ever pin that on Mosley. It might have technically been his mistake, but it was just such a great play um, that it was – it's just it, – that's it did what it's meant to do. But a couple other matchups that I thought have been cool to kind of – see flourish is i mean nick bosa and trent williams like i would pay money to just watch those two go at it like you know and and, and nick bosa it's i'm sure he's going to look back at, at these first couple years of his nfl career and realize that he got to sharpen his teeth against joe staley and then the next year trent williams you know stuff like that makes nfl sundays seem easy you know right. unless, unless you're competing against another elite tackle which there's not that many out there you know, going up constantly against guys like Joe Staley and Trent Williams, that will make game day seem like a little bit of a break. You know, that's why we've seen him go out there and have the success because he's got elite tackles to practice against and pick their brain, you know, so that's been fun to watch. And then Javon Kinlaw apparently has been going head to head against Lake and Tomlinson a lot. And, and although Lake and Tomlinson is not an elite guard, he's a good, he's a solid guard. He's and he's flourished with the 49ers compared to kind of what his stock was with the Lions. You know, that was they they gave up like a an, a future fifth round pick for that guy. Obviously, that's that's already come and gone. The pick has. But he's worked out really well. But one thing I will say, when I saw Lakin Tomlinson in person, that dude is huge. Like his arms are like the size of my waist. Like this guy is just a massive dude. So Somebody as huge as Javon Kinlaw, rookie or not, going up against Lake and Tomlinson is like that's that's cool too. And and Javon Kinlaw just seems like such a genuine and upfront dude. I've I've really enjoyed listening to him talk. But you know, I wish with the whole COVID thing, it it pushed training camp back to where I couldn't attend this year because now my school year started. But man, I wish I wish I would have been there to just see these matchups because it's just so you know, it's it's just there's so much talent competing. It's just, you just I just want to watch it. <laughs> yep, man. Yeah, you and I both. It's tough, man, just having to wait. And I think the only I, I hey, I want to give a shout out. And I know you kind of talked about this guy in the last pod, but Grant Cole, man, he's he's been on top of it, um, doing his daily uh videos uh on on Periscope, I think I believe it is, after each game. So, you know, I've definitely tuned into those. I think I missed the last one, but um, you know, he's 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 pretty detailed with his uh, reports from training camp. So th- those have been really good to to hear and listen to. Well, yeah, even when I was at training camp, I would still read Grant's articles about, you know, the good and the bad and, and what he saw because everybody sees different things and everybody catches different aspects of camp. And maybe you're just straight up, you know, usually during the one-on-one period, you have receivers versus cornerbacks. Then you have uh, running backs versus safeties. And then you have tight ends versus linebackers. And you have O-line versus D-line, and you can't watch them all at the same time. You have to pick one. And, you know, I always love reading Grant's stuff about, you know, the good and the bad because because he would consistently watch a different aspect of the competition than I would watch. And it was always good. The way he breaks it down is good. Sometimes, like I said, he can be a bit – he can have a bit, a bit of flair in his stuff, you know, kind of um, – what's the best way to say it? He, you know, he, he puts a lot of entertainment on it. And which is it is a good way. It makes an entertaining read. But, you know, and obviously Grant Grant took it in the teeth a little bit with the whole Kittle contract thing. But I mean, <laughs> what day did Kittle end up signing? <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna give the guy, you know, a little bit of props for for coming out and just trying to trying to splash a story, but that was just all that was all fun. 
to watch right. go down. But um, yeah, man, I think we're in an hour. I think we're good. Do you think we're good? I think we're good, man. Okay. All right. We're good then. We're good then. Hey, let us know you're you're listening to the pod. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. Then you can get Eric at Eric underscore Crocker. You haven't changed your you haven't changed your handle, right? Mm-mm. No. Okay. I think I'll lose Sometimes. the blue check if I do. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. So don't mess around <laughs> with that. Um and just hit us up. Let us know you listen to pod. Let us know how you liked it. Uh, you know, we appreciate you guys. We see your feedback on, you know, in the reviews and stuff like that. It's always appreciated. Um, only when it's positive though. If it's a if it's a negative review of any kind, you can get lost. Like you like, don't listen to us anymore. I don't want to hear it. I'm just kidding. Uh, constructive feedback is just fine. But that's it for us for another week. Um, come back next week. We'll be at it again. But for now, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace. One last word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they did to say on what it'll be like to play, be playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline is your online wagering experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.